the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. that he no longer uses that sits on the locker room floor. I am one of your aforementioned brothers in kayfabe coming to you live, ready to do episode 64 of the brothers in kayfabe podcast to my right in the stream yard studio. That is Mr. Wrestling Landon Bumgarner, Jake. It's good to be back. It's good to have internet back. Yes, as uh, some of you don't know, in Oklahoma, we had a freak blizzard last week, and uh, some of us didn't have internet. And now, for some reason, my internet works even better than it did before. So um, we were actually able to watch something on Netflix the other day in the living room, which has not happened in over a month. So... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with that and uh see what happens, but uh Landon, how the heck are you? I'm doing mighty good all things considered. Man, we we had a pretty good weekend. We did. Our our podcast, you know, is now legally able to get AARP as far as age because it is now 64. Um you know, it is true. It's, uh, you know, it's been, it, it was a great weekend. And, uh, before we get way too into that, um, you know, what's going on, Landon? You, you, you have anything crazy going on in your life? Yeah. Um, just trying to plan some things. We were talking about it before we went live. Um, uh, my wife and I, We've got our first wedding anniversary coming up, and so we're just trying to figure out if we can do something for it. But you know what's really crazy, Jake? We are on the road to the Bumgarner anniversary. What is crazy there, Landon? I have like doubled my TNA DVD collection in this past week. So long story short, um, I had a freelance gig come in clutch that I just was not anticipating, had a little bit of extra money, just coincidentally found a ton of wrestling DVDs for cheap, most of them being TNA. And so tonight I am watching Bound for Glory 2005. And the match that's on right now, because you'll get a kick out of this, it is an X Division Fatal 4-Way featuring... Sanjay Dutt, Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, and Roderick Strong. Wow, I was uh, I was really thinking there was going to be something worse there, and it turned out not to. Um, so it's a pretty like I it's was a, really thinking you were about to say Tyson Tomko. No, 
He is still with WWE at this point, but don't worry. He's I. In fact, I don't think I have a single DVD with Tomko, TNA DVD with Tomko on it. I might have one, but we'll see. Yeah, I got an XPW DVD, which features the infamous Vic Grimes New Jack scaffold match oh, oh where God. New Jack tases him and then proceeds to throw him off almost to his his death. So, yeah, that's the crazy stuff going on in my life. I'm stalking. I literally, I own more wrestling DVDs now than I ever have. I saw some online last night that I wanted to pull the trigger on because they were dirt cheap. Some good WWF stuff. Like, Here's the crazy thing is there's so many WWF and WWE DVDs that were pumped out between 2000 and 2003. Yeah. That like I'm constantly discovering stuff that I had no idea was ever put on DVD. Like there's Um, a one called I think it's called like Amped Up the videos volume one. They never made a volume two. (laughs) <laughs> and it's literally just WWF like entrance Titan Trons. What was the uh what was the big ECW uh was it Anarchy Rules? That was the big ECW like first huge pay-per-view. Um Barely Legal was the first Barely Legal one in nineteen ninety-seven, which they did a I think RF Video did an actual release of it. Um, But then, or maybe, I'm not sure if it was RF Video or if it was just actually ECW that released it. Um, But, fun fact, if you bought ECW One Night Stand 2006, they included a free DVD of Barely Legal. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think my copy has one. You might not. I think I want to say it was a Walmart exclusive yeah. because I we've talked about it. I have very conservative parents. And when that pay-per-view came out, I wanted to get it so bad. And all it took were my parents seeing a DVD, a black DVD with the words one night stand on it and including bonus disc, barely legal. And they were like, you know what? No. And so I was like, okay. Because so, I have it now. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk while I do this. Um, but you know, I think we're just gonna get right into it. Um, the next segment is the news, and the news is brought to you by the Pain Insurance Agency. Call the Pain Insurance Agency today with Farmers and MetLife for a free competitive home and auto quote. Landon, you called the Pain Insurance Agency, didn't you? That's right, Jake. Me and my wife, we had an emergency at our apartment. There's a lot of flooding, and Payne Insurance Agency took care of us right away and got us the coverage that we needed. But Jake, you also have a policy through Payne Insurance Agency, don't you? Yes, I do, Landon. I, uh, they, the people over at Payne take care of both of our home and auto insurance. So if you want to have world champion level coverage, then call the Payne Insurance Agency at 405-286-3600 and get your valuables covered right away. And a very, very humble thank you to the Payne Insurance Group for taking care of people like me. 
and like me. So you're watching uh, a TNA DVD. Which TNA DVD are you watching? Bound for Glory 2005. I have just turned on Barely Legal 1997. Um, just felt like some ECW after listening to some uh, ECW podcasts this weekend. Um, but while we talk about the news, I'm going to do a live unboxing on the air because I can't sit still. And this has been sitting on my desk for months. So I have an Elite 80 Bailey that's been sitting here. And I really feel like opening a new figure. So this is happening today. Um, but the news, uh, you know, there's not been a whole lot that's happened this this week. Um, our main talk, we'll talk about like what we did this weekend. But, uh, you know, probably the biggest news of the week um, is that Kurt Angle was supposed to compete at the uh, at the Royal Rumble this weekend? Did you see that, Landon? I did. What's crazy is I don't know. Of course, every year with the Rumble, there's always stuff that comes out right after of you know so and so was considered for it. Um, last minute changes, just things like that. But I don't think there's ever. At least to my knowledge, I don't think there's ever been a more controversial behind-the-scenes fallout as with the Men's Rumble this year, just with a lot of the names. Um, right. I mean, Kurt would have been awesome just because, you know, he's he doesn't need to be wrestling full-time by any means. He doesn't need to be wrestling part-time. Oh, definitely But not. something like the Rumble is perfect because the Rumble, you know, I joked with you, Jake, before the Rumble, like I was booking Hogan coming out in his 70s. And, right. You know, how do we book Hogan coming out, make it a moment, and then leaving without being crippled? Well, and I think it would have added that nostalgia uh, pop that this Rumble needed desperately. Mm -hmm. It was, it was rough. And, uh, I would have liked seeing uh, seeing Angle in the in the WWE ring again. I know he's technically been retired, and but anything goes in the Royal Rumble. And it would have been great. I mean, have him come out. Why Happy Corbin is in the ring because then you have that story of hey Corbin's right. the one that retired Angle. Let Angle be the one to eliminate Corbin, and then have Madcap. Moss just oh man, whoop, toss there's, him out over get heat. There's something about that ECW music, isn't there, dude? It's so like I just I don't know if this is nerdy or not. Like I just drive around listening to old ECW promos. Hey, you know, the other day I was just listening to uh, John Moxley's entrance, like actual video of entrance, and it was like I'm so pumped up, I want to run through a wall right now. But um. It was definitely something that would have been that could have been uh, sorely used in this year's Rumble, and there's even proof that he was there. Like he was posting pictures from the arena, so like he was definitely there. Yeah, the amount of people that they flew in and zero were utilized. Like well, Jeff Jarrett was there, uh, Bischoff was there, uh, Jillian Hall was backstage. Like 
there was just random people that were there that just didn't get used. So it's 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 really surprising. And the more that comes out about this rumble, the more I'm just like intrigued as to what exactly went went on. Yeah, because this might be a controversial take. I've I think I've said it on here a couple of times. I would have if I had to choose between Stephanie and Triple H taking over or Shane taking over. Historically, I would have leaned towards Shane just because he seems a little more trustworthy. But with all the stuff we're hearing and seeing, yeah, I like. I, I'm glad he's. You know how bad. You know, there's the joke that Vince doesn't love Shane. But how bad did Shane have to stir things up for Vince to legitimately fire him? Right. Not like a hey, you need to just you just need to leave the building for tonight, but to be like, hey, no, like we're letting you go because you're gone. You cannot be involved in here. Yeah, because historically, whenever Shane hasn't been with the company, he's just left to go do other things. Yeah. Um, because he is an entrepreneur and he wants to do big things, but I just, part of me wants to believe the stories, um, but then there's part of me that's like, but that just doesn't sound like the Shane we're used to. Now, maybe that's the the baby face Shane that we're used to recently, but I don't know. I, I, and, I don't and know. There's just weird stuff because, you know, I, with who Shane is, I don't want to say the word bully, but like, I'm not surprised that he tried to punk out Jamie Noble and he tried to bury Jamie Noble. Like uh, that part doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is I think just some of what's the word? Like just some of the like stubbornness he had as far as, you know, well, I need to be, I need to be feuding with Lashley for the title. Right. After the, I need to win the Rumble and go to Mania to feud with Lashley. And, you know, Jake, why don't you tell us about some of the, some of the rumors and reports coming out about Shane and Brock? So supposedly Brock was the final straw in Shane's hat in WWE. Um, let me pull up the actual news story so I can uh, say, uh, for sure, this is from a guy incognito on wrestling men's or re- wrestling news source. Um, supposedly, it was Brock Lesnar that was unhappy with Shane's booking, and supposedly it was you know he sat there and was like, "Well, Shane's trying to make it about himself." Um, so you know he went to Vince, and Vince said, "Okay, we'll take care of it." And then the next thing you know, Shane isn't there anymore. Um, and supposedly they had big plans for Shane going forward. Like I'd even seen not too long ago that Shane wasn't with the company anymore. So it was almost surprising that he was there, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's just very interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, early, you know, going forward, there's rumor that other companies may want to sign him. I don't know if that would uh, be a great plan, um, I can say this much. I don't want to see him anywhere near AEW. Um, I don't think there's a place for him there. Um, but then there's the part of me that wants to see there's a McMahon on AEW television. Like, yeah, I uh, think like character wise, there's really not a 
place for him just because he's the kind of character that wouldn't fit in with AEW. You know, you can't go over there and be the boss's son because it's like, hey, you're, but you're not our boss's son. It, it doesn't carry weight. It, it's just interesting because Shane is one of those great hands as far as, you know, Triple H and Undertaker aren't doing the part-timer role anymore where, hey, they come out of the woodwork to set up a match for Mania to sell a little extra tickets. Right. And Shane, I think Shane was perfect at that. I don't think he needed to do any more per se, but to, you know, like I enjoyed his match with AJ Styles. I enjoyed his match with Miz, um, his match with Undertaker. I think just having him in that role where he shows back up, gets a mania match. I don't think he needs to be, because let's face it, like Shane has never been world champion quality before. He's not going to be world champ quality now. I, I will say this. I'm honestly surprised he's never held the championship, just yep. given McMahon's booking. Um, But then that kind of goes into the, uh, well, well, son, uh, I won't love you unless you jump off this stage. Okay, it's Dad. His, it's because his brother-in-law had to book himself as champ the whole time. Right. Well, you know, um, that's, that's for sure. It's just interesting because, you know... Uh, Sorry, I had to mark out for Shane Douglas interviewing James Storm backstage. It's just one of those things where it's... I would be very interested to see what, you know, what really went down. Yeah. What, you know, is this a legitimate departure? Because whenever Shane left in like, oh, 9-ish, he straight up, you know, it wasn't, hey do your thing. You can come back whenever you want. Like Vince made him sell all of his stock. Right. Everything like had absolutely no ties to the WWE. And for the longest, you know, from Oh nine till 2016, it seemed like, Hey, Shane's never coming back. Right. And then he came back to a monstrous pop, had a great program with undertaker. And so it's just, it's just weird. Cause it's like, Oh, like I thought, Shane was on great terms. You know, I thought Vince would be happy that Shane was back to kind of compete against uh, Stephanie and yeah. Triple H, but literally who, who knows now? Never say never, I guess. Um, I will, I will uh, interject real quick. I did open this figure. And for those that don't have this figure, this is a great figure. Number one. Probably Bailey's best figure ever, but a weird surprise. Basic joints at the ankle. Uh, old basic joints, not the new, but like, so weird. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, you know, it's just, it's weird. It's weird to see what they're doing. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm glad that he's gone. If he was really that much of a problem, then he needed mm. to be gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an, it's, he is a virus if he is that way. And maybe he's always been this way and we didn't know. Um, you know, I don't know. He always seemed like the, the one, um, McMahon to me that wasn't like the cutthroat, ruthless person. Um, 
Stephanie definitely comes across that way. Uh, Vince has always been that way. Um, so just, I, I don't know. It's weird. We'll see what happens with Shane going forward. Maybe they're releasing him to get the heat off. You know, yeah. I, it, that, that has happened more than once. You know, a wrestler gets released. They come back a few months later. I mean, I, the last time I can think of that was whenever uh, Daniel Bryan did his quick little stint out of the company after getting called up for the first time. Yeah. But, you know, you, they get the heat off and then the fans are happy to see you again. But I don't know. It's just it's a weird story. And I I, I think we've beat it to death at this point. Um, you, you're marking out for Shane Douglas interviewing who you said? He was interviewing James Storm backstage. Well, I am marking out right now for the Eliminators versus the Dudley Boys in a tag team match for the ECW World Tag Team Championship. If you don't know who the Eliminators are, that was Perry Saturn and John Kronos. And then uh, the Dudley Boys, everybody knows who the Dudley Boys. We have, at that time, Buh, Buh, Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley with Joel Gertner and Sign Guy Dudley. So, You want to know what the main event of Bound for Glory 05 is? Tell me. Because they just showed this. It is Kevin Nash versus Jeff Jarrett for the NWA world title with Tito Ortiz as this, the special guest referee. Do you know what the main was for uh, Barely Legal? Is that Funk versus Sabu? Funk versus Raven. Raven. So this is right. where Raven does the job to Terry. Right after Terry beats Sandman and Stevie Richards in a three-way dance to determine the number one contender. Because yeah. this is, spoiler, Terry wins the title. Because this is where the, the infamous backstage promo of everybody thank Terry from Beyond the Mat. Everyone thank Terry Funk right. for bringing us to the dance. Um, Speaking of Raven, he's cutting a promo with 10 minutes left on the preview show of Bound for Glory. It's crazy to see this all, you know, go back and forth like this. Um, I will say that... There's also a mark out all Oklahoma indie promoters. There is a monsters ball match with Abyss booked. <laughs> for those of you who don't get that, for literally like three or four years straight, and I love Abyss. Like I'm glad Abyss was booked in Oklahoma. I just don't know why every match was a monsters ball match with at least two of the same participants every time. But pretty much, we don't need to get negative with that. Uh, it's just, you know, and they still do it. They still do it with people that aren't, uh, aren't, uh, what's his name? Um, Abyss. I, for some reason, you literally just said that yeah. and I couldn't think of his name, but, uh, moving on, moving on. Um, there's some other big news that are going on this week. Uh, Tony Khan has confirmed that Wednesday, we are going to have a surprise new talent. He he said it was a forbidden door entrant, but it's definitely someone that they've signed. Um, 
Who do you think it's going to be, Landon? My, the only person I can think of that would be, here's who, I'll say who I think it is, and then I'll say who I wish it was. I think it's probably going to be Keith Lee. Yeah. Um, Because his 90 days are up. He just got married. He should be ready to go. Um, Who I want it to be, although he, well, yeah, his 90 days up are up in February is Killer Cross, Carrion Cross. Yeah. Because that's somebody like, he needs to be in the main event. He needs to be that over-the-top monster heel. And, you know, I think AEW could use another heel at the top. So here's here's what he says. The big announcement for Wednesday's Dynamite that we referenced on AEW Rampage, which I still need to watch. Um, I've been slacking on my Rampage viewing, but um, a free agent debut, in parentheses, and the person walking through the forbidden door are one and the same. They're walking in the door, signing a contract, and then slamming the door shut this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. Now, he says this. That sounds nothing like someone that is walking through the forbidden door. Yeah. how You can't be Why? a free agent and walk through the forbidden door. Why are we saying the forbidden door in this? And I, I understand he's just trying to hype up the the person and i get that and everybody's excited about forbidden door people and and someone being somewhere that they shouldn't be it's forbidden door is the new hot phrase to say similar to you know 2011 to 2013 it was pipe bomb you know that's right. the new but that's a new <sighs> clickbait word so my my thoughts here are simple. It's definitely someone from WWE's recent si- uh, releases, and I'm with Nia you, Jax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finally someone for Nyla to to work. Yeah. Um, for Nyla's sister, Nyla Jax. Nyla Jax. It's Myla Jax. Uh Anyway, um, <laughs> all, all I have to say that just is, popped me. I, I, you know, <laughs> go ahead. It 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 better deliver because I feel like the last couple, you know, announced signings. I don't disagree the, with you there. It's kind of like Tony Khan's. Uh, like this is his personality. He like he's always hyped. He's always excited. So and that's okay. Know, yeah. I think it's great, but sometimes it can be misleading. So whenever it's clear as day that, hey, Kyle O'Reilly is going to debut, hey, we've got a huge surprise guest tonight. In my mind, I'm like, oh, hey, it's got to be somebody big. It's got to be somebody that it's going to be shocking to see them in AEW, not like, hey, it's clear as day. We're waiting for them to come. So if it's somebody... You know, I think Keith Lee would be great for him. I think Killer Cross would be great for him. But if it's somebody like it's not going to happen because they're not released. But like, let's say if it was Mustafa Ali, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah, like, well, they've made it very clear that's where they're going and that's where they want to be. Well, and like, I personally think it's going to be Keith Lee. I would love to see it be uh, Killer Cross. 
because I think Killer Cross is someone that can elevate that heel status in WWE. They don't have a lot of main event heels. No. Um, and it's a problem. They were they were moving towards a Moxley heel turn, it looked like, before he went off to uh, rehab. And now, how do you make that happen? Yeah. Now, and you've got Lance Archer taking on Paige, but it's kind of like... It's hard to take Archer serious as a main event guy, a main event heel, because every time he's gotten momentum, the booking, they've switched it to where he either loses the first match right. or it's like, oh, well, he'll probably, you know, whether it was the TNT title, whether it was challenging for the world title or even just like straight up just now hey, he's coming after somebody. It's like, well... He keeps losing right away. He wins the rematch, but I don't expect him to win the first match ever. Now, I here's here's what here's what I would want to want to see out of this whole Archer Hangman feud, and it's it's not something that's going to happen because the feud has kind of been lackluster up till this point, but. We are doing something in this match that is Lance Archer's wheelhouse. We are doing a Texas death match. That is his signature match. Archer does not lose these matches. He has historically lost them before, before you, Mark, start saying something about that. But it is his match. It is what he does, and it's what he does the best. What I do is Hangman loses the title. Get that shock and awe. They gave the title to Lance Archer. The guy that literally nobody gave a shot to win this, win the title, just won the title in, in Hangman's third defense. And you run with that for a couple months. And then Hangman has continued to chase back after it and hangman wins it again. And you finally have that, that breakup of we've got to have long title reigns for every single guy. Now that's not a bad thing to have long title reigns, but as we've discussed ad nauseum here on the show is that AW almost feels like they have to have a long reign. Mm hmm. Um, that's why it was kind of a surprise for me whenever the uh, Lucha Bros lost the title so quickly, um, especially to another uh, face team. Um, so we've got to break up this monotony. And the, the TNT title is not the place to do that because the TNT title at this point has no prestige, um, especially after... They had a great match. They had probably one of the best matches uh, AEW has done. But to have an interim champion because Cody Rhodes can't make a, make a booking, uh, mm, that ain't it, pal. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, the like the TNT title is a joke. It's been a joke for a while because they try and hype it up as. Well, you know, it's a title that 
will be defended all the time on on TV and you right. know, the champions have a big target on their back and it's like well evidently almost nobody can retain the title and then when you get to someone who's keeping it for a while you have stupid stuff like the oh we have to have an interim champion and it's right. like were you planning on doing a unification match because if that was the plan for a while then you just did a horrible, lazy job of getting there. Well, we needed an interim title for someone who had COVID that was gone for two weeks. Um, so that makes no damn sense to me. Yeah, because it's like, has that, you know, they, of course, it doesn't apply to Brock Lesnar and it didn't apply to moxley ambrose when he was u.s champion but you know wwe allegedly has you know hey if you can't defend it within 30 days you have to relinquish it yes and it only matters when they want it to matter yeah so like it'd be one thing if aw the sports-based company is like hey you have to the belt must be defended you know within this period within this range and maybe it is, hey, the TN- world title has to be defended within 30 days. TNT title has to be defended within 15. Okay. Well, then the two-week rule makes sense, but right. you can't just randomly be like, oh, well, we ne- we needed to do this. But also, within your own logic there, they can make it happen within the, that two-week period that he's off. Right. So, I, you know, I get your logic there. It's just like... But... I don't agree with it. Your mic isn't connected. I can hear you now. So we just had a technical difficulty. I don't know what happened. It's well, I'm not going to the AEW fans are coming after me for <clears throat> saying I dislike their their booking. It's just one of those Jeeves, things. We could talk about it. Jeeves, please edit that out. <clears throat> we, could, we could talk about it forever because, you know, unification stuff is cool. <coughs> it can be really, really awesome, but it can, you know, it's lazy if you just kind of do it out of the blue for, for no reason. You know, I imagine, like, yes, it was the Battle of the Belts that, right. and we the belt have to be defended. Okay. You know, maybe it's someone other. You know, <clears throat> hey, Cody can't defend it. So now someone, there's going to be a number one contenders match to join Sammy. And it's going to be a triple threat. I just, I want to know why if we are giving it right back to Sammy, why are we making that change? And I know that contradicts what I just said about the AEW title. But at least that's not something that has happened with this belt. Mm-hmm. With the TNT title, it's almost like we're giving it to Cody just to give it to him. And yeah. uh, and like I said, the logic can also be applied to what I just said about Lance Archer. But I think it means more in that situation to where nobody thinks that Lance Archer has a legitimate chance from a booking standpoint, whereas 
we all know Cody's going over LOL. Like, yeah, it's like he, like what Cody, Cody didn't elevate Sammy in that match. Right. No one's like, wow, like that proves Sammy's like next level. It's like, no, it, it comes across as, well, hey, well, Cody needs the belt. Right. And I'll say this, and the it, unification match was a great match. Yeah. It just shouldn't have happened the way it should have. Like, why was that not a pay-per-view match? Why wasn't that the title match that we should have gotten in the first place? I will interject real quick to say that it is now time for Samoa Joe versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Ooh. Uh, right now, I'm watching Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm. Lance Storm with the most beautiful rat tail you've ever seen in your life. Um, but yeah, uh, from what I can see, I'll, the next match will be the great Suzuki, Gran Hamada, and Masato Yaga, Yaka, Yaka Shiji <laughs> versus BWO Japan, Taka Mikinoku, Terry Boy, and Dick Togo. There you go. So, stacked international matches right here. I will say this. One more thing about just the title changes. So I was playing um, WWE 2K19 the other day, and I wasn't necessarily in the mood to play it. Yeah. So I just started, like, I was just simulating stuff, just pressing the button to immediately simulate the match. And just did this for a while just because I wanted to see, you know, how things progressed without my influence. Yeah. And the world title match or the world title scene, literally the like three, I start. So basically started a TNA season, if you will. And it literally the first three champions were like, it was like Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle and Sting. And they all held the title for 125 days each. And it's like, well, it just made me think of like, it, you know, for a while it was like, hey, every AEW champion has to hold the title at least 18 months. Right. And then relinquish it. But, it is, it, you know, it's weird. And then you have the cases like Brock Lesnar, Roman, and Ambrose where hey, their reign's coming on 400 days, and it's like they've only defended it three times in that 400 <laughs> days. What are, right, what are you talking right. about? Um, with that being said, like we, we went off on a tangent there, but I think it was something that uh, could be said. Uh, the heel situation in AW uh, needs some help. Uh, Daniel Brian Danielson is doing great as a heel. Um, I didn't think they'd be able to pull it off, but they did. Um, but I would like that person that signs tomorrow to be killer cross. I, yeah, I think he would just work so well in that company as a top heel right there next to MJF. Yeah, because you, you have two drastically different heels. You have the, you know, the slimy, cheating, deceitful heel in MJF who's going to run his mouth, but can back it up. And then you have killer cross who is like next level. Like, Hey, he, he's not going to run his mouth, but he's just like, he's not just going to beat you. He's going to hurt you. Right. 
you know, a little callback to season one of BIK where we we attempted to do some fantasy booking and Jimmy drafted Killer Cross to his roster and immediately was starting to book Killer Cross versus Undertaker. And it's just like, yeah. Like, we, we need Killer Cross to be, the, you know, last week we talked about Dan Housen gets can fulfill that entertainment role that WWE, you know, excels in that AEW hasn't necessarily reached yet. Just as far as like, it's not sports related. It's just strictly entertainment. And I think Killer Cross could kind of be like, hey, we need, you know, of course there's Malachi Black and Brody King that get to do their lights off, lights on thing. Right. But now you have Killer Cross who can, I don't want to say do it better than them, but, he might, he'll probably do it better than them depending on how it's, but like how we saw him in NXT where it's just like, whoa, hey, this guy's like low key a cult leader and he just goes to the ring and just destroys people well, and that's it. And and since we've gotten on that subject and I'm going to hit on this real quick, you know, I know that a lot of things last week on Dynamite were in flux. So the original plan for Moxley was not to face Wheeler Yuta, he was going to face uh, the Brian Kendrick, and then, uh, yeah, those things happened. But um, it just fell flat for me with Danhausen already when their first booking opportunity for the guy is to come out and be second manager to Wheeler Yuta with the best friends. Now, mm-hmm. I think there's comedy gold that can be happened there with the best friends in Danhausen. But like we see him once he appears and curses Adam Cole and then the next week we barely see him. Yeah. I, like and I know that he is someone that hasn't commanded that respect yet as far as a national audience, but we got to learn who he is. There's a lot of people two Wednesdays ago saw Danhausen for the very first time. Yeah. So we have to build this character up or hmm, sorry, pal. Like it's just, it was a very interesting choice and I was not a fan of it. Yeah. Well, it goes back, you know, how many times have we talked about how bloated AEW is right now and just that it's hard to build stars because you know we've got we've got to fit all these people on the card how do we give Danhausen the time to build that star when we've also got to continue building the stars that are already built right but then also you know we have two new tag teams that are debuting and we need to get them on the card and it's I don't have the answers for that it's just you know, I the last thing I would want to happen is for Dan Housen or let's say Keith Lee comes in or Cross comes in and they get their first week, they get their big debut. And then within a couple of weeks, they're, you know, they're facing Scorpio Sky on Dark Elevation or something like that. Right. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, maybe that's wishful thinking. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't think you bring in a Keith Lee to job 
you bring in a Keith Lee to be your champion. Now, it, I will say it's similar to the Attitude Era post um, the end of the Monday Night Wars where something really cool happened. The WWF roster was absolutely stacked and loaded. And you had guys like Stone Cold, Undertaker, Triple H, and The Rock consistently fighting for the top spot. Yeah. And you had a lot of great things happen from that. You also, like, the undercard, like, WWE's undercard has never been as stacked as it was then. Right. Every segment was worth watching because of the star power. So that's cool. And AEW could, I think they could capitalize on it better than what they're doing now to where, you know, hey, just because they're not in the main event doesn't mean it's not worth watching. Everyone has their story. Everyone has their part. But also the flip side to having an awesome stacked roster where every segment is worth watching means right. not everybody gets to be at the top. Right. I, and and we know that. Like, not everybody gets to run with the belt. Uh, you know, but you also have to have that level of unpredictability. Whereas, you know, in the Attitude Era, it's did feel like a lot of guys could win the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even now, there are certain people in AEW that you feel they could win the belt tomorrow. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> there was a time where I was like, they're going to give Orange Cassidy the belt. Yeah. And I still it, feel that to an extent. But will it ever happen? We don't know, and that's fine. I think the both WWE and AEW need to get back to the point of it needs to be must-watch TV. Right. I'm not saying every episode needs to end with a cliffhanger, but every episode should end with, like, well, I have to watch next week because I either want to see someone get revenge or it's like, you know, let's say there's a random, uh, you know contendership match and somebody out of the blue like Orange Cassidy wins it and it's like hey Orange Cassidy's getting a title shot next week right I'm tuning in because honestly there's a really good chance he could win that and I want to be watching it when when it happens as opposed to you know it's not bad to announce you know what's going on or there's no. some level of predictability to be there but there's definitely a fine balance of predictability and must watch because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And, and that's, I think they're getting there. Like I said, I think we're getting ready to see some different things happen. Um, you know, but they've got to, they've got to break up. I don't want to say monotony cause it's not even monotony, but like there's just, there's just something about it that uh, I I love long title reigns. I always have, but we can't have not every champion is a 18 month champion, like we've said over and over. So, you know, I would love to see a couple of quick title changes at, in the main event picture. Even if it's someone that holds the belt for a month, like yeah. there, there's always been a history of transitional champions. And even if that has to be an Orange Cassidy, nobody can ever take away the fact that they won the AEW world title. Yeah. I think he would be a perfect person to 
you know, let's say he let's say he beats somebody for the title. He wins Orange Cassidy wins the championship at the next pay-per-view. You get this unbelievable moment to where it's like, wow, I really didn't think he was going to win it, and he just won it, and that's awesome. And then the following week on ramp or on dynamite, you have someone like a killer cross debut. Right. And they can win the front it. of the line. And it's like, Oh, Cassidy's going to lose the belt and you have it lose it. That doesn't mean like, wow, he was a crappy champion because he held the belt for two weeks. It's like, no, it makes perfect sense that he was in the right situation and he won the match. But now here's this unbelievable blindside he didn't think would happen. And it doesn't hurt his character. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's okay. Like, it's okay to lose in wrestling. You can lose and still be credible versus, oh, like I lose in 30 seconds every week. It's just like I say that Hangman is better in the chase. And that's not a problem. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't hold the title. But it means that, like... Once we get back to a hangman chasing again, we're going to be making a lot of money again. Mm -hmm. And people still want to see him as champion. And that's why he's great in the chase. Um, so we could go ad nauseum, like I said, about this. Let's get on to what we were going to speak about. Well, the here's a great segue is we're talking about unpredictability and you have to watch because you don't know what's going to happen. We, Jake, we got to go to SmackDown this past Friday. We did. Um, I got some free tickets thanks to a good, good brother, father-in-law. And uh, got some free tickets to SmackDown. Me and the good brother Lando and the good brother from the dead... Jimmy Jam Jackson went with uh, a new b good brother, uh, John. What what was John's last name? John Stindle. John Stindle had a great time. Um, I will start with this. There's like I've always said, I would rather there be live wrestling than no wrestling. I don't care what it is. Uh, most of the time. Um, it was a good show. It was a good show. We had fun. We had fun with yeah. it. It was a perfectly fine show. It had its ups. It had its downs. Um, but there was quite a bit of unpredictability in it, too. There was. And so just to kind of set the scene, this is my first wrestling show that I've been to since Rumble 2020. Like, I've not been... Well, <laughs> we attempted one show... Um, that you can see in our vlog. Um, but really, I haven't been to any any pro wrestling show since Rumble 2020 and then COVID hit. Just just haven't. Yeah. Mainly because for a while, nobody was touring. Right. And so we, we went. We had great seats. Um, we had nobody right behind us, which is always great. We sat right against one of the walls. I, I love sitting in a spot like that because I just don't want to hear... Um, people right behind me talking in my ear, but, uh, you know, there, it was, a, it was a good little show, uh, started off with Roman Reigns, uh, 
uh, promo, which means that it was a Paul Heyman promo. So I'll never be upset about hearing Paul Heyman on the mic. Um, but that is when we got probably the biggest pop of the night. And I was surprised at how big the pop was, but you know, we're there live and it's something that we never thought would happen. Landon, what was that that happened? The forbidden door was opened and Bill Goldberg showed up and challenged Roman for the Universal Championship at Elimination Chamber. And here's what makes me excited is I was all on board for Goldberg versus Roman at WrestleMania 2020. You know, last minute, that's when they had to move it last minute to the performance center. Right. And then, you know, Roman didn't feel comfortable being around during COVID. So the week of mania, he pulls out. And so this, like, this big ticket marquee, like, this is a, like, let's not beat around the bush, like, regardless of, how Goldberg has been used or not. Like Goldberg versus Roman is a huge match yeah, it is. for a mania. It's in the same way as Lashley versus Brock should have been at mania. Right. You know, Rock versus Roman needs to be at WrestleMania, this kind of thing. And, you know, they were hyping it up. Like Goldberg was like, Hey, like I was a Georgia bulldog. What were you? And, and just all these kind of things, just like, right. they're very similar in how they got their jobs. And so it I'm excited to see how it plays out this time. I hope it's not one of those things like, hey, there was a lot of momentum last time. This time we're just kind of doing it just so we can say that we did it. But I, I'll agree. I was shocked with the reaction. Let's rewind the clock back to SummerSlam. Um, you know, just a couple of months ago with the reaction Brock got coming back. And it's one of those things. Um, you have the the vocal opinion that is shared online, right? Um, if you go on WWE's Instagram and you look at the comments, you have that. But to be in a room and you hear a reaction is is another thing. You know the I think the it's not the Chesapeake the Paycom Center. I think they it holds like twelve thousand seats or something, right? I would say there were probably six, maybe. Five, six thousand people ish there. Yeah, six, six to seven, somewhere in there. And like the majority of those people like popped when Goldberg came out. And part of that is um because Goldberg's draw with his longevity, but just like the surprise of like, hey, like Brock Lesnar's probably gonna come out for this. Or like Sami Zayn's gonna come out and buy time until Brock comes back. And for Goldberg literally to show up. Like that, that was a great moment. Like that was a cool thing to see. Yeah. Um, I've never seen Goldberg live. I remember, I remember talking uh, with a friend of the show back in middle school of like, man, like Goldberg's been retired for five or six years. You know, his WWE run wasn't that great, man. I'd give anything for Goldberg to come back for one more match. Right. And be his WCW self. And here we are. I get to see that. So selfishly, it's like, hey, like, I got to see Goldberg live. Uh, I'll take that. You know, if I got to see um, 
You know, if I get to see Ric Flair live, I'll take that. If I get to see Kurt Angle live, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. You know, even, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I get to cross that off my list. But that being said, you know, we thought it was just going to be an average SmackDown and it ended up being just a little bit better. But, Jake, there is also an exciting match that kicked off the event itself. It wasn't on SmackDown. It was a dark match before, but what match was that? Yeah, so we saw uh, two really good dark matches. Um, I, and one of them I've got a, a, a fun fact about, but I'll get to that here in a second. Um, so, uh, the, <clears throat> the first match out of the gate uh, was a women's match, which we'll get back to that. But we saw Roderick Strong versus um, Tommaso Ciampa in a dark match. Uh, what looked like a not a tryout match, but like a, a you know, let's see how they are in front of the the big crowd. You know, yeah, that, that's what it felt like. Is hey, we're not going to put them on TV. They got a hell of a yet, pop. But yeah, I mean, we weren't expecting it. And it was great back and forth match. You expect those two to deliver, especially with probably how much they've worked together. Um, not even not even just in their WWE career, but you know, uh, farther than that. Brother, I've been watching Roderick Strong since Bound for Glory 2005. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, it was a great match. And then the women's match that preceded it, and that's why I'm waiting to uh, say this because I didn't know this until uh, over the weekend um, was Io Shirai, which always a great worker versus Raquel Gonzalez. Now, Landon, do you know who Raquel Gonzalez's stepfather is? Jose Lothario. No. He shares her last name. No. Her, no way. her stepfather was the one and only Giant Gonzalez, a.k.a. El Igante from WCW. That is Raquel come, Gonzalez's stepfather. How come she doesn't wrestle with body fur? Right. <laughs> right. But like, that just blew my mind. I, and then I went to go look up her Wikipedia, and sure enough, there it is. Like, and what's funny is, um, he, you know, that's her stepfather, and I would have assumed, given her natural height and, uh, you know, ability, not saying that uh, he was a great worker, but he did well in the ring. But I would have figured that that was her real father. Um, but her parent. Her parents were uh, her her real father is Rick Gonzalez, which I don't know if he has anything to do with professional wrestling, but um, yeah, her father her stepfather was Jorge Gonzalez, Elegante, and Giant Gonzalez. Just just crazy to me, mind blowing, yeah. insane. Um, also looking at this. She is currently dating uh, Beef Stroganoff, so uh, Braun Strowman. That's interesting. That doesn't surprise me. They they fit together. They they that's a handsome couple. 
Um, but yeah, so that was the way we kicked off the uh, the night. And um, pull up. Let me pull up the card from the rest of the night because I'm having um, trouble with it was, with all of it. But it was it was a good night. Mo- it was a good night. I mean, yeah, we got to see a lot of people that we, we haven't seen before. Um, yeah. So Goldberg comes out. It, it was good. You know, Goldberg did his his typical. You're next. Like. That kind of deal. Um, yeah, he came out and played the hits. That's what you want to see. We saw more of Ridge Holland than we wanted to see. Um, I, that's one of my least favorite things WWE does is when a singles match turns into a tag team match. Mm. It happens way too often. Uh, sometimes back to back weeks it'll happen. Um, Rick Shea defeated uh, Ridge Holland. Then uh, it it was a quick match. Um, and then, uh, Sheamus decided to get in the ring and demand a tag team match with Holland against Ricochet and Cesaro. And then, uh, Sheamus and Holland wins. So it's, it's, I can hear Vince in the back. Well, pal, we, we got to give them their win back. Uh, we can't take any heat off of them. That's right. That's WWE. 50-50 booking, you can thank Mr. Road Dog and Mr. Pritchard for for that. Like 50-50 booking is so stupid. It, it, there is so much of the well, he's got to get his win back, you know. So I, I don't know. It's like cool, let him get his win back at the pay-per-view when it counts. Right. And but also like your baby faces have to get a win. And it means something. Um, not all the time, but, you know, most of the time. And then another one where I thought we were about to get back-to-back singles matches turned into um, tag team matches. Uh, Eric from the Viking Raiders versus uh, Jimmy Uso. I had to look because I can never tell the two apart, which they are twins. Raid. Um, Raid. 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 It was. I want to like the Viking Raiders. I do, but it's like they they were great in Ring of Honor. Yeah, War Machine was amazing, and it's just like the start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Because it's like, well, hey, they're going to be the Viking experience. We can't have the be be a War Machine. We can't use the War name. The War Raiders. No. How about the Viking experience? Yeah. And it's just like, and that's another thing. Like, this is why we don't need 30 people on average being the creative team. Because speaking of Lance Archer, here comes white boy wannabe Lance Hoyt out to the <laughs> ring and TNA doing his break dancing thing. It's just, I don't know. It's I I wanted to be excited to see them, but it was also like I expect them to lose very quickly and get out of the ring. Then we had um, well, they doubled down on that matchup, which we'll get back to later. Um, then we had Alia 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 versus Natalia, and um. 
it's good. Natalia, when she gets into the ring, is good. Uh, but they're doing this mat, this this uh, storyline where Natalia is losing in world record fashion to Aaliyah. And um, how many times are we going to do that until she gets an actual win? Like, because you're not yeah. building good uh, heat for either. You know, they're just, okay, this match is going to end in weird, fluky means. And then you're you're sitting there wondering, well, eventually Natalia is going to put the screws to this person, right? Like, right. I mean, she's better than all this. Um, You know, so it's just, I'm not a fan. I'm not. I like it. I I like I like that they're pushing a young talent, but once again, like why why this way? Yeah, it, like it'd be one thing to like that's how you initiate the feud, but to keep building it and building it, it just you know it can't be sustained. One of my favorite points of the night, uh, Drew McIntyre comes out. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Drew live. Exactly. For those that are not watching at home, we almost got a sword spot. Um, Madcap Moss snuck up on Drew. Drew saw it coming, which I believe is the first time I've ever seen a face character see one of that one of those coming and stop it dead in its tracks. Um, what was it? We were talking about that. Um, the the Roderick Strong and uh, Von Wagner thing from was it war games where von wagner goes to turn on roger on uh, kyle o'reilly on kyle o'reilly yeah he he goes to blindside him and kyle o'reilly's like no and just well and that was that was a little different like that was kyle fighting back immediately like catching it right there this was literally stopping a guy in his tracks yeah. Now, which it's like is unheard of why you would sneak up on a man holding a sword i don't know why um. Yes, Alex. I'll take uh, swords for seven hundred. It's <laughs> S words and S-word. one of my favorite SNL skits. Um. Anyway, uh, this was a good little deal. Uh, the the Madcap Moss telling a joke thing is new to me, but I don't watch a lot of WWE, so um, I guess he does. Uh, I guess he does jokes. I. I don't know. I guess is that why he's a madcap? He's he's so funny. Um, I, I will say I, I like what they're doing with Corbin in Madcap and the fact that it's giving new layers to their character. Like Corbin is looks like he's more comfortable on the like if you if you look at Baron Corbin's social media, he's just posting the expensive hats, expensive right. steaks, and expensive cigars and whiskey. That he's buying, and I like that. It, I like Happy Cor- Corbin. It's, I mean, there's a limit to okay. Like now, it's you're almost souring it with how over the top is. Like with Madcap, like you look at Riddick Moss, who's literally done absolutely nothing with his career since being signed to NXT because, he, oh, he's your generic indie guy with long hair and a beard. Right. And now finally getting something like, hey, like it's a ch- it's cheesy, but it's given him a spot on TV. Right. 
And I, you know, it, I'm not saying I hate it. I just I don't I don't know it. Yeah, like it's it's weird. Like I've from what I've seen, I know they team up together and they're annoying. But you know, and that's fine. We need we, annoying heels. Yeah, they and you know it made the moment where Drew almost stabbed him like that much better. Yeah, and the timing that they had to do to do that, like that was that was great. I liked that. So uh, for those that didn't watch, uh, Madcaps attempted a sneak attack, and as he got in the ring, Drew just held up his sword and got him like literally about that close for those seeing like a fingertip away, and. Uh, threatened him, made him tell a joke and then uh, hit madcap with a claymore. Um, I like, I love, I love Drew McIntyre. I'm a big fan right now. I, I, I make fun of the accent because I, I, I like it like, but you know, to think this is the guy that, was the chosen one that wasn't taken serious. And then he was, uh, he teamed with Cody, didn't he? For a little while. I think for a minute. I yeah. think that's when they were the road. No, that was the road scholars was him and, uh, him and, uh, Damien Sandow, but they did oh, team yeah. together. Ms. Dow. Um, they did team together. And then, uh, then like yeah they were even tag champs together then um you know he's in three man band and he's a joke and nobody cares about him and he goes off and reinvents himself in impact and on the indie scene and now he is the biggest baby face full time baby face in the company yeah like what drew is doing that like i think it's Easy to say, by the time Drew is done, he'll have a Hall of Fame career because he's he's in that spot to where, no, he's not going to be the main event of everything, but he's that solid baby face that's, you know, I, say, I would say similar to how AJ was before turning heel. Right. You know, his, like, he's going to be upper mid-card sometime. I'm sure he'll be back in the main event, but he's just there to, you know, he he's the biggest baby face they have right now. Right. He's the one that the kids are going to look up to that. The girls are going to scream for toss some babies in there, all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you that much. I've, I almost bought a figure of his the other day. Like I, he's, he's, he's great. I enjoy his work. He's a good worker. And he's that, he's that big man. That's believable that I, I like everything about him. Uh, and he's coming to his own as a character which is amazing because I thought they had already ruined him when they brought him up to the main roster again and made him the heater for Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. It's just like, it's a miracle. I think some of what he does, it's almost, I don't want to say cheesy. I think it's more so because he's a foreigner trying to do, trying to say some baby face things, but he like what he's doing right now. Like it's he's doing exactly what he needs to be. Doing. Right. Um, next we get Nakamura and, uh, gender Mahal, which is, I, maybe this is a constant, uh, feud. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I enjoyed it. It was an okay match. Um, 
I enjoyed you got to see Rick Boogs. I enjoyed seeing Boogs. Uh, Boogs is probably one of my favorite people on the roster. Um, push Boogs to the to world champion, baby. Like, um, and then we got Nakamura and Zayn. I guess they're gonna uh, fight for the IC title next week. Which give give Sami Zayn a title. Like he deserves it at this point. He's so good. He knows his character so well. Well, it's interesting that they're they're back to that storyline um, because it was last year they did the, you know, Sammy was Intercontinental Champion and then they did like the, I think it was a three-way ladder match where he, hand, I don't know if it was Shinsuke or who it was, he handcuffed two people to the ladder and climbed up and, and stole the belt, but you know. Sammy's not a baby face. You need that annoying heel. Like, what's, what's going to make you want to see him get beat more than if he's the one holding the belt? Um, Yeah. It, 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 and it would work. It would work really well. Um, Then we had uh, The New Day versus uh, Los Lotharios. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, New Day's great. I love watching the New Day. This match went way too long for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a good match. I mean, it's it great, but I didn't even know Angel Garza was still in the company. Um, no. And I was disappointed that Umberto was still in the company. So, like, that sounds mean, but. Uh, you know, it was a good match. It was, you know, I, the, what I'm looking at right here gave it a B. Plus. I would say it was probably a B match. Um, it's, it was good. I, I didn't hate it. Um, I loved the, uh, I loved the, um, hot tag. I think Big E is fantastic at what he does. Um, which makes me really mad that they are pulling the rug out from underneath him so soon. Um, it's one of those things like, I, I get the new day. I get their spot, but I think we're going to start seeing now that Big E and similar to Kofi, once they go back to being part of the tag team actively, it hurts them more as a singles competitor. And you, you know, I mean, that's the history of tag teams. You don't have a successful sing. you know, the revival, you're not going to see one of them, you know, well, they, be a great singles competitor, and they don't. They don't want to. But I was about to say like, that's the difference. They don't want to. Yeah, it's like you know, with Matt and Jeff Hardy, why they were teaming, one wasn't doing singles, and the other, it, you just can't go back and and forth because they've got to. You know, I mean, and we've talked. We talked about it a lot. They've got to be able to showcase that they can do it on their own without. Without being part of a group. Dax, excuse me. Dax Harwood is never going to be a main event guy. Yeah. Big E is a main event guy. Well, it's like is you look at what Big E did in NXT, and you got a little glimpse of that when he came up to the main roster and went after the Intercontinental Championship. And and I'm I'm glad they did the new day because it revitalized all three of their careers. It gave them a permanent spot. Like that's it. 
You know, Colt Cabana always talks about how he always wanted to be the honky tonk man because then he would be set for life at every gimmick table he ever went to for the rest of his life. Right. And that's kind of how the New Day is, but it, you know, is being actively part of the New Day and doing segments with the New Day is that going to be worth it to Big E over, you know, him distancing himself and focusing on being a single act instead of being... Right. Well, this is just that member from uh, the New Day. I, and and I agree with you. I You know, like I've said before, I think you can have him as part of the New Day and still be part of the main event f- picture. But him just not getting his uh title match back just like Kofi didn't get his title match back. Yeah. It's just it sucks. Um yeah, they they go back to their their tag team spot. It's kind of I look at it this way, they're not going to get the shield and evolution treatment. Right. No. And they don't they don't need that. They're a different kind of tag team, but there is room for a big time babyface faction that wins titles. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> final uh, segment of TV. Uh, Ronda Rousey selects her WrestleMania opponent. We are getting Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. Flair tried to play the heel and say, no, Becky said that you've already told her that you're facing her. And she was like, well, Becky doesn't speak for me. You know, typical heel and baby face kind of talk. Um, I love this match. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big fan of Charlotte Flair. There's a lot of people that are, and that's not an issue. Uh, she's a great wrestler. Um, but this is kind of breathing some new life into her her reign. And I love Ronda. I, I really do. Uh, I think her first run was a little lackluster, but that's because... They did the problem where they had her hold the belt too long, and she is a talent that doesn't need the belt. Um, she just needs to be out there whipping ass. So uh, I like this. What 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 do you think about this match? I I'm personally excited about it because, you know, I say it jokingly, um, but it's like Sasha or not Sasha, but like Becky and Charlotte are. You know, they're to the women's division what Goldberg and Brock have been. Right. You know, they're the go-to of, you know, they're they're the Cody. Not that that's a negative thing, but it's like, that's who, you know, you do something with one person and this is who you always go back to. And so I, I think it's great. I think Ronda versus Charlotte is better than Ronda versus Becky because I think if they do it smartly that... I think it's going to mean more for Ronda to beat Charlotte than it would for Ronda to beat Becky, especially just with the weird run that Becky's been on right now. But it's exciting because you can have Ronda drop the belt to somebody else and that make them as a star. Like, let's say Aaliyah gets to the point where, hey, she wins a battle royal and gets the challenge for the belt and she beats Ronda somehow. Yeah. Hey, you just you just made a star and Ronda still has the power to well now no one's gonna believe in my character because I lost to Aaliyah. It's like no, like no. 
they probably expect you to beat her up again, but they just know that you're going to immediately go climbing back. And so you, you need more, you need your bigger stars to be elevating younger talent. I think there's a time where you need them to be on top. And then there's a time where they need to elevate more people to the top so that they can work. You know, it's the whole Kogan thing, right? Hey, I've beaten everybody. There's no one left for me to beat. And it's like, well, that's because you've beaten everyone so bad that they, there's no one believable to challenge you. We need to create people that we can believe that they're a credible threat to your championship or, you know, to your spot on the card. Cause then you make more money that way. You get more longevity with, you know, the more tool, the more pieces you have to work with, the more you can do with it. Um, the main event dark match uh, was Drew and the Viking Raiders versus the Usos and Roman. This was a moment just to kind of have some fun at the end of the night. Um, Paul Heyman got into it with a fan. Uh, and that was pretty much the highlight of this match. There really wasn't a lot that happened. I mean, the Viking Raiders didn't even take their shirts off. Um, yeah, I mean, it's your typical after the show dark match. Right. And normally they're either super short. Like I remember going to a show where it was Sheamus versus Punk for the WWE title, and it was maybe two minutes long. Right. It's just something, uh, especially whenever a, a main event spot on the actual show, the TV show is a uh, promo. Usually there's a match afterwards to send the people home happy. Um, and the faces won. Uh, pinning one of the Usos. Uh, you know, there was nothing really to this match, so there really wasn't a lot to talk to talk about. I think Drew hit a c- couple Claymores. Um, Roman hit about four Superman punches. Um, but Roman really didn't even enter the match. So Yeah. It's one of those things. It was it was fun for what it was supposed to be. Yeah, it was fun. That's fun. That's that's all I really you know, got to say about it. Yeah, I like, you know, there's the, and I hate this specific spot, but it's like Shawn Michaels, I think it's Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton versus Triple H and Ric Flair after Raw went off air. Um, And they just have, you know, just a tag team match, but Triple H is doing the thing where, you know, he gets hit with sweet chin music and he stands there and sells like he's going to fall over, but it takes him like two minutes before he actually like falls over. Like he's just sitting there kind of leaning back with his arms, like he's teetering. Right. And he gets to the point to where like Sean and Randy are looking at each other and Sean like tries to lean over the rope and is like, like trying to blow on him to knock him over. You know, you don't want to see that on raw. You don't want to see that on a pay-per-view, but if you're just having like, if you're just having fun watching it live, that's, you know, yeah, that's that that's the the time to do it. So, um, like with Roman teasing, getting the ring, or like Paul, like who would have thought seeing Paul Heyman go after an Oklahoma redneck was going to be as fun as it was? Right, right. It was good. It was good. Uh, you know, it was fun. Um, that brings us to our final uh, couple moments of the show. Landon, who is your wrestler of the week? So my wrestler of the week 
for no obvious reason other than they're awesome. And if you haven't seen much of their stuff, you need to see it. But the one, the only Jerry Lynn. Really? That's a phenomenal. Yeah, that's a surprise. Phenomenal stuff in ECW. I mean, his match with RVD, like legendary stuff. Um, he had he had a really good match at Hardcore Justice with TNA too. Yeah, like it. it that was such a cool thing because that was his. I'm pretty sure that's Jerry Lynn's fat last official match. Um, but even just some of the early X Division stuff he did in TNA. I remember like in 07, 08, he randomly came back to TNA and did another run. Yeah. And like he's he's a great hand. Um I think I think he realized that he would get a lot more attraction and a lot a better spot on the card staying in the kind of the smaller like lightweight cruiserweight division, X division. Um I think he could have done some great stuff in, you know, the world title scene. But I think, you know, he he did the right thing by finding a spot on the card where he would be highlighted a lot more. So if, if you're not familiar, I would recommend literally any Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam match that you can find. I like it. I like that choice. Um, so my choices or my choice for wrestler of the week is Big E Langston. Yes, I said Big E Langston. Um I loved him in the match. I I forget how much I love watching him in the ring just because he has that energy and he he's a star. He is a star. Um you know, if he was in any other company right now, he'd be feuding for the world title constantly. Um I I really enjoyed his work uh, with the New Day. I enjoyed his heel work. Um, but go back. If you have Peacock, go back and watch uh, some of the first seasons of NXT as the developmental territory. And go watch. Like right in, tw- I think it's like 2013. Yeah, 2012, 2013. Go watch, um, number one, go watch Big E take the belt from Tyler Black, uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, He was more Tyler Black at this moment than Seth Rollins. He hadn't really come up with his character yet. But uh, go watch some of that. Go watch that match. But specifically that time, because he was doing the the, uh, five gimmick where he would... Uh, he wouldn't pin somebody to three. He would pin them to five. And he refused to win by three, uh, by a three count. So it's phenomenal. It's a whole different side of Big E that you don't see much anymore. It would be, it would be how I would book a heel run for Big E is to go back to that character. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what I got. Well, I think that brings us to our brother's homework for the week. And that for those of you who aren't familiar with this, if you're joining us, the brother's homework are match suggestions. Sometimes they're based off of specific talk topics we cover, but 
A lot of the times, they're also just things we like. But since we went to SmackDown this past Friday, we thought it would be fitting to talk about our to recommend our favorite SmackDown matches or our favorite SmackDown moments. So I'll I'll go first. One match that I think it's an underrated gym, and just because of how long SmackDown's been around, it's. It's kind of fallen by the wayside, but it's Eddie Guerrero versus Edge in a no disqualification match from September 26, 2002. Um, This is actually the match in which Edge originally hurts his neck and then he ends up having to get neck surgery. And then ultimately we realize, you know, about eight years down the road that ends up causing that injury continues to come back and causes Edge to retire. But it's just a great match. Um, Both Eddie and Edge are trying to be taken serious as single competitors and as main eventers during this time. Edge has been split with Christian for about a year at this point, and they just have a banger of a no-DQ match. There's some great ladder spots in it. It's just like, it's a good, just hard-hitting brawl. So, once again, that's Edge versus Eddie Guerrero from the September 26, 2002 episode of SmackDown. Fantastic. I love it. Um, since we're sticking on the SmackDown theme, um, go watch the Jeff Hardy and CM Punk Loser Leaves Town match. I believe that was on SmackDown. It was. But I say that to uh, bring up um, the following match, the following week. Punk comes out and does the one of the best promos of his career in Jeff Hardy's gimmick, and just cements himself as a heel. And. It's it's would, incredible. It, it would not fly today because no, 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 no. Jeff, they do the loser leaves town, and Jeff was being fired because of his addiction issues. So it's like to put in perspective, it would be like, um, you know, if you know, worst case scenario, if Mox was released because of, um his alcohol issues and if the next week if MJF or CM Punk came out to his music right and, and made fun of it it's i mean it's never going to be like a lot of stuff in wrestling it's never going to be done again yeah um but it's like that made me such a fan to CM Punk like that that that's personally my favorite era of punk in WWE is just the whole straight edge society i'm better than you stuff yeah, and it and and it kicked off that whole that whole storyline, which is one of my favorite versions of punk. So, um, with that, I you know it's, it's time to wrap this sucker up. This has been a great show. It has been, as always. Please like, subscribe, review wherever you listen to podcasts. Word of mouth is the best way you can help us. So, recommend this podcast to someone you know that likes wrestling. Um, we're thankful for those of you who have given us a shot because our numbers um, really went up quite a bit um, due to Brother Fest. 
yeah, they've been kind of trickling back down the last couple of weeks. So let, let's cut that off as it's going and let, let's get it back up. As always, you know, we, we do this out of love and appreciation for you guys. We want it to be something that you'll appreciate. And man, we just want to talk wrestling with y'all. We just want to talk wrestling with all of you. We want to bring you on. Um, we're working on a few other uh, guests going forward. Some people that uh, have some really great, um, some really great things to say. So uh, we we want to have you on uh, soon. If you want to be on, get with us. And uh, you know, like he said, like, subscribe, rate, do all of that. Give us a review. It helps. It helps the algorithm. Um, and we just want to be the best version of this podcast we can be. And so we can't do that without your interaction. So we would also like to plug our brothers who are part of the brother summit. You're listening to this most likely on Tuesday, but on Thursday, you can check out live on Facebook in the wide world of belts group, or you can check it on YouTube as well. But it is the Spanning the Globe podcast hosted by our good brother, Mark Maggard. He's part of the Brother Summit, as well as good brother Roger from the Collecting Raj podcast and YouTube channel and Instagram and, and Facebook. Roger has been coming in hot with some AEW trading cards, Jay. Yes, he has. He's been doing a lot of unboxings over there. And his podcast is all about collecting and, you know, unboxings and trading cards and figures and all that. So give both of them a listen. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. They're, they're good brothers. They help make this happen. Um, and we, we try to, uh, to give back as much as possible. So, um, with that, I think we need to, to send them home with what they want to see. And what we're going to send you home with, it's not a six man tag on SmackDown. It's not a 40-man tag on AEW, but it's something that's just a little too, too sweet. sweet for life. We'll see you next time, guys. <laughs>